0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today. If you're catching the show uh, live or in archive, uh, either way, welcome. Uh, my name is Jim Ventura, and uh, I am a professional uh, navigational consultant. My expertise is in astrology and numerology, and uh, tarot, and runestones, and all kinds of different oracles that I work with. I do uh, private sessions here in my home office in Phoenix, as well as by phone. Uh, If you want any information about my services, go to my uh, website at jimventura.com for information. I'm also a published author, and I do a monthly column called Snake Oil, uh, the uh, name of our show here, and... um, if you want information about that again, all that stuff is on my website. Uh, and if you're not already getting my monthly email newsletter, feel free to email me at ventorsag at yahoo.com, and I'll add you to the free monthly uh, newsletter mailing list. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, on that note, uh, this is our uh, live column read. I am going to uh, read this month's column uh, live on air and then talk about it in a bit more detail. Uh, I'm not going to be taking live calls today. Um, I do that sometimes on astrological update shows, but on the column shows, um, I want to kind of talk about the subject in more depth, and uh, as much as I love taking the phone calls, uh, a lot of times people are kind of trying to get the couple of minute, free mini readings, and uh, uh, so that's uh, kind of distracting us from the subject at hand, so uh, we won't be doing that today, but uh, you can check out. Anytime I do the astrological update shows for, for call-ins. Uh, okay, so uh, this month's column uh, was a, a new column. Uh, I do about six or seven new columns a year, and then because I've got a uh, hundred and change of them, I sometimes run repeats every few years, uh, especially as I get new clients who have never read the columns, so it's new to them. But this one, uh, this particular column was a, uh, a brand-new column so let me find my there we go okay Um, so I'm going to read this month's column and then we will uh, go into a little bit more talk about it Uh, it is called checking on the dogs Uh, excuse me here for a minute I got to find out where the hell this disappeared on my I I know it's in here somewhere I'm looking for the looking for the uh, hmm. I guess not okay we got to open Okay. checking on the dogs okay uh, let me go into my files here and find checking on the dogs. Where is it? Where is it? Here we go. Uh, why is this hiding itself from me? Uh, okay. So this month is, that would be October. Let's go to that one. Stay boil. October, 2017. Here we go. Checking on the dogs. All right. We got to you. But uh, no, we still don't have you. Why am I having trouble finding this here? Uh, alright. Uh I don't know what it is today. It feels like a Mercury retrograde. Uh but uh it isn't, so I'm not sure why that is, uh why that's in place. Alright, checking on the dogs. Here we go. Nope, not finding it still. Oh my god, this is bizarro. Come on. Come on, documents. Uh alright, so i will open this up. We're gonna get there, guys. Alright, snake oil. There we go. supposed to be in order here, but we're all over the place. All right, here we go, checking on those. He finds it. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. All right. Uh, snake oil, checking on the dogs. I had a vivid dream that made me wake up feeling strangely relieved. In the dream, I am driving anxiously to a home that I was supposed to be checking on regularly and had neglected for a while. I'm not sure if it is my home or the home of a friend. But it was familiar and reminded me of a place I was somewhat comfortable with, like a relaxed childhood friend's home. The main purpose of the home check was to look in on the dogs. I was supposed to make sure they had plenty of food and water to clean up after any messes, and most importantly, to pet them and play with them. I realized I hadn't been there in quite some time, and I'm driving fast because I'm worried about whether the dogs are okay. Did I leave enough food and water? Will they be upset with me for the lack of required human contact that dogs and cats were bred to need? Hell, are they even still alive? Uh, I nervously get to the house and put the key in the door, and I'm relieved to hear barking on the other side of the door. I open the door, and they excitedly run out to greet me, licking me, running around, and playfully enjoying the feel of outside in the lush green lawn. The dogs are healthy, and there's still a little food and water left, but not much. Aside from a few piles of waste, they seem to be fine. I go inside and snuggle and spend time with them and seriously vow to attend to the dogs far more dutifully in the future. I recognize when I wake up from this dream that I've had this dream many times with slight variations over the years. I know what the dream is telling me. After a little over a decade of being single and not in any real committed love relationship other than dating here and there, The part of me that has enjoyed being single wonders if my dogs are still alive. If I unlock the key to allowing myself to experience partnership again, will the joy still be there? Do we even remember how to be fully committed to someone anymore? The Druid tradition, the dog, represents guidance, protection, and loyalty. When our dog energy is positive, we are comfortable with loyalty and commitment. We value the selflessness of dog and reflect this quality back to others. When our dog energy is out of balance, we often are often fearful or uncomfortable with the commitment needed to sustain long-term relationships, friendships, and partnerships. This can often develop when we have been treated cruelly in past relationships. We may have been the loyal dog mistreated by its cruel owner. There may be any number of possible reasons for a fear of commitment. I grew up in a traditional Catholic family. I was fed the idea by family in the church that one of life's primary goals for most people, otherwise the priesthood or being a nun was a good alternative option, was to find a maid, marry, and settle down. Even though my natural sexual orientation went against the dictates of what was believed to be the right way of heterosexuality or celibacy, I faithfully spent my late childhood even into my 30s working diligently to achieve the goal of finding the right mate. I had a best friend or partner in one form or another, most of the time during the first almost 40 years of my life. Sometimes easy and often difficult, my relationships were a huge part of the experience uh, and my evolution. My son is in the seventh house in astrology and I have a Libra moon. In truth, I was always good at it. Healthy diplomacy comes natural to me, and I had a number of people who really loved me. I truly enjoyed romance and was actually pretty good at it. The problem was I did not always feel good about myself, and this understandably led to some toxic relationship experiences where I gave far more than I received. The trouble for me was never in giving. It was in receiving. My decision at around the age of 40 to put this part of my life into the background uh, was quite conscious. Even though there were a few times along the way when I wondered why I couldn't find the right guy and felt lonely, I knew it was largely a performance of imaginary victimization. Unconsciously at first, then quite consciously chose to see if I could learn to be comfortable being on my own. The truth is, for the most part, it has been awesome. Not having to deal with in-laws, partnership differences, and what life's supposed priorities Relationship power struggles and having to check in with someone in so many of life's decisions has been incredibly freeing. I have enjoyed this past decision far more than any of the times I might have struggled with loneliness. While I prefer the romance and connection of a monogamous commitment by far, I also see sex in the same light as the need that simply simply just needs to be met, the need for physical touch and human contact. I don't struggle with the occasional desire to have strawberry cheesecake.
1: I don't struggle
0: in life with things like having sex outside of a committed relationship or marriage. Sometimes you just need some form of sexual play, and it's healthy to honor this biological need. I'm wise enough to do this safely. I have explored the realm of dating, hooking up from time to time, or periods of purposeful celibacy. While I absolutely respect the friends and family and clients who are committed for their own reasons to religions like Catholicism, for me, following a religion that tells you that you are less than or wrong in your natural expression is akin to being part of any group of people or any type of structure that suggests that you aren't as good as they are. My rejection of organized religion in anyone or any group with those kind of ideas, contradictions, and false arrogant dictates about what is the right way to be, was part of developing healthy self-esteem. Listen, even without religious or familial imprints, everyone in the world is bombarded by an internal push and an external push to mate and partner up. The internal push is part of our natural wiring to find a mate. The lover's archetype in the tarot is an apt illustration of this part of the human path. The external push is a constant bombardment of movies, books, television, and music to find that special someone or our soulmate. So much of our entertainment is built into this type of storyline. I remember as a little kid hearing songs like Wedding Day Blues by The Fifth Dimension or Baby I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. Endless songs that extol the virtues of finding love were contrasted with songs about loss and breakup. Never Gonna Fall in Love Again by Eric Harmon, Lost Without Your Love by Bread. And similar tragic songs filled my ears with seriously great sounds and the joys and potential despair of love and possible loss. One begins to wonder does art simply imitate life or does life imitate art? I've been feeling the push again to allow myself to consider commitment again to a relationship. I know when I'm ready, the conditions to make that happen will emerge. I've gotten comfortable with me. My self-esteem, sense of self-worth, and my ability to receive has grown dramatically in the last decade. In some respects, I'm truly the most confident, so far,
1: I've ever been in my
0: life. A mate now in my life who mirrors many of these good qualities I now comfortably carry would be a blessing. I am beginning to grow tired of random sex and dating. The boredom is not based on some recognition that the path I've been on is morally wrong Or similar nonsense. It stems from missing the many benefits of a deeper connection to one person. I'm running into too much unrequited love from short term partners who think our brief connection is meant to be far more. I have and never will be a liar, but I have probably garnished a reputation as a player because of my detachment and confidence. I won't pretend that something casual can become a deeper connection. Falling in love is not a negotiation. It is a lightning bolt of chemistry, purpose, and past life connections that alters the course of our current life. I've been lucky enough to have been in love five times so far in this lifetime. Settling will never work for me, Venus and Scorpio. In simple terms, I'm ready for another chapter of my life. While I could easily be okay with being single for the rest of my life, I am open to something else. My dreaming self was clear. It's safe for me to put some energy into letting the dogs back out again. Okay, so that was my September? No, October, right? Yeah, well, I wrote it in September. That was my uh, <laughs> That was my uh, October uh, uh, sequel this month. And uh, you know, it, it's very, very true. That, that 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 was a dream that I had um, vivid, and I remember during the dream that that sense of anxiety of going to check on the dogs and realizing even during the dream that I had the dream in like multiple variations over and over and over again. But, yeah, I was, like a lot of people, truly, i say it's humorously, but a relationship junkie in, in my, my younger years. Uh, childhood, I always had a, a best friend or a companion. I, I started, you know, uh, connecting relationship-wise in my late teens, early 20s. You know, the roommates I had in my 20s were, you know, like uh, partners in a whole other way. I've always had best friends. I mean, it, you know, I, 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 I I've had a lot of that. Again, like I'd said in the piece, I, I've been in love—you know—clouds parting and falling in love five times in my life. Obviously, uh, none of those worked in the long run. Some worked in the short run quite well, and then eventually they ran their course for their purpose, or you know. So, I learned and grew from every relationship that I had. But I do remember making the decision to be alone for a while. Um, still, kind of struggling with it when I was about—you know—my late about forty, late thirties when I really. I'm uh, in my early 50s now when I really remember making that decision. And and it was, you know, can I do this on my own? I don't want to get caught up in all the theatrics of, of the past. And, you know, I, I had some real hurts that I went through uh, in the past as well. Uh, uh, you know, my first book I wrote in, in my late 30s was called Dirty Little Secrets, and I, I talked about a lot of the relationship theatrics that I went through. Dream itself was telling me something. This is one thing that's very, very cool about analyzing and understanding dreams. Dreams are not always necessarily precognitive as much as they are very often rich with symbolism at at one level or another, which in and of itself is a value. Self-talking to the self. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that uh, insight and information can come to us if we're we're willing to pay attention. Don't always take dreams as, as literal in that way. But in this case... This one was kinda of literal, uh in a way, you know, I mean it was it's that fear that I've been away from it for so long that you know, I do I have the skills, do I want to do this fully again? Um and and again like I said in the piece, I you know, I I've always been a very sexual being. Uh you know, I can joke about being half Italian. I mean there's a lot of different uh reasons I can I can probably uh, put together as to why I, I'm wired that way. And, uh, you know, I, I'm in good shape. I'm you know, considered reasonably attractive. You know, it's, it's not particularly tough to get uh, sex if that's what I'm after uh, from time to time. And I, I did. I, You know, I was raised very religious programming, and, and I just, you know, I put a lot of that aside. I, I don't see sex as as something to be ashamed of or uncomfortable about and but yeah as i said in the piece you know it's that confidence aside so you know when i'm playing around or just having fun from time to time in that sense i could sort of see these potential partners getting googly eyed in a way where it's like they think this is going to be more and now i'm you know 52 years old i'm i can enjoy hanging out with a 30-year-old, I'm not going to partner with one realistically. It's too big an age gap, you know? So, um, again, interesting Interesting as studying this from this angle and beginning to see that it's time to make some type of a change. Listen, people go through this at, at one level. I get clients all the time that were married for, you know, 20, 30 years and their spouse dies or they divorce and, and, and there's excitement about possibility, but... There can be a, you know, a little uh, not so silent terror that people go through about dating and, and, and re getting back into the game. Especially if there is past hurt that was part of, of the experience, which which for most of us you know, likely and, and probably was at at one level or another. Um we uh you know, we we we, we learn and we grow. But Again, you know, one of the points that I think is really significant to make is, you know, for me and a lot of my clients will understand this as well too, and, and my readers and, you know, uh, when when we have issues with our self-esteem, when we have issues with how we feel about ourselves, um, you know, and, and we, we're likely to potentially uh, bring, you know, mates or people that that may uh, abuse us, um, you know, whether in the extreme way physically or just emotionally at one level or another. And yes, I encountered a lot of that. I had a lot of fun with the partnerships that I had in my twenties and my thirties. And I often had real love and connectedness, but, you know, looking back on it, um, I, you know, I could run a list of the different partnerships that I had and, and what the wound and the problem was, you know, my, my earlier relationships were often with, with, uh, men who had some type of addiction issues at one level or another. Um, Part of me was a rescuer uh, who was going to fix and heal the wounded. You know, I had to learn how to rechannel that energy in a different way. Uh, and and sometimes I, you know, encountered uh, individuals who were um, arrogant or, or condescending or were not able to give back in the way I was giving, and I struggled with that and until I began to understand and learn that the issue was that I had trouble receiving. I had self-worth issues you know uh, for for me as a gay man you know uh, it's different in the world now uh you know i grew up in the as a kid in the 70s and and the 80s uh you know we didn't uh there was it was a different world in terms of hiding who you were to some extent or or feeling you know uh less than in a way uh that i certainly don't feel any of that now Uh, as do most young people are much more confident in their sexual expression, whether they're uh, homosexual, heterosexual, or bisexual. Um, That is changing, thankfully. But, yeah, there were self-esteem issues that were partly connected with that issue but also partly connected with a a number of other things just in terms of of self-esteem and how I I ultimately felt about myself. That's a thing I, I often suggest to people to become aware of. We can get nervous about the idea of get back on the horse so to speak, uh, if you're getting back into the idea of, of relating again. But if you've gotten to a place where yourself self theme is high and you're good with yourself and you like who you are and you're coming from a different place, the mirror of relationship is likely to be a healthier, stronger one. And, and remembering that, you know, everything we went through when we were younger was part of our experience, our own evolution, or our growth. You know, it's one thing I always tell people, all the exes that I've ever had, at some level I still love, I never, you know, you just realize you're not compatible, you don't want to be with that person. Now, I joke about them all getting hit with the ugly stick eventually, where they're just not attractive to me like they were, you know, back at that time. But I think that um, when you really love someone, you always love them at one level. Now, this is something different in that way where you realize there's an incompatibility or this just no longer fits. And listen, we go through this all the time in, 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 in relationships, but also with friendships and jobs and various other things. What worked for you 20 years ago may not work at all with with you when you're, you're 40 years old or you're 60 years old or you're 35 or you're 70 in that sense, but it, none of it was wrong. But that's something that, that, I, that I often catch a lot. You know, when I, with clients that are going through some type of grieving in a relationship breakup, a divorce or something like that, I understand the, the difficulty and the trauma behind it. Uh, I've been through it myself. Uh, I had one relationship and that literally took me two years to heal from. And, and the relationship was only for six weeks. And it took two years because it was such a profound, you know, love thing that just, you know, threw me for for lack of for a lack of better way of putting it, I think the thing to to remember is, you know, uh, if you love someone, uh, what that was wasn't necessarily wrong. The thing I I find a lot, I find myself counseling women and and men uh, who, you know, they go through a breakup or an ending of a relationship or marriage, and they come into my office and they often want to know,
1: did he ever really
0: love me, you know. And, and that's like the big eternal question, and and the answer to that most of the time is yes. But what we sometimes don't see is that people love in different ways. Uh, some people see love as duty. Some people are are not able to show affection. Uh, they love in a in a different way, you know. And we receive as much as we're willing to ultimately accept in terms of our own levels of comfort. You know, I grew up in a family where my mother was very dutiful and a good mother in terms of what she did for us, but she was very much emotionally cold. Um, whereas my father worked constantly and, and, and was busy, but my father was much more loving, much more acknowledging of, of, of affection when he was around in that respect. Uh, so it was two different push and pulls that I experienced as a, as a young person. But of course, my early relationships modeled my mother relationship. So, like for me, if someone was emotionally cold with me, I read that as love because my mother loved us, but she was emotionally cold. So, I mean, it's classic psychology in, in, in that respect to to look into that that dynamic itself. But yes, it was um, that was something that I I ultimately misread as love and and there were were partners and, and mates that came along that had more of my father's energy but i often tended to not either feel worthy of that or or to reject that and and so that was the dynamic that i dealt with in my 20s and even to my early 30s when i began to kind of understand that that uh, particular disposition uh good news is when you become self-aware you can begin to heal and and move through those processes much more uh Comfortably, in that respect, because you understand that, you know, you had a limitation. The thing that, that we do as human beings that I think throws us is we keep outwardly looking at what someone is doing or not doing, as opposed to looking inward and saying, okay, what in me is not does not believe him or herself to be lovable enough, so I'm drawing a mate to me that cheats on me or is not giving me love or affection or attention at one level or another. We, we do have a tendency to look outward. Uh, and, and listen, that is a natural process in a way in terms of evolution of us throughout our series of lifetimes. The older our soul gets, the more internally reflective we're often able to be. Uh, a lot of what I would call quote-unquote younger souls are, are simply not able to, uh, to have as much experience with empathy. And, and, and internal looking inward. You uh, so the current president of the United States, people keep thinking at some point that, like, Donald Trump is going to show this deep empathy or feeling or emotion, and, and I think he struggles with it. I don't think he's good at it. I think that has to do with how old his soul age is and who he is and the way he expresses himself. He's got pockets of areas where he is uh, sensitive. But for the most part, that's not really his thing at one level or another. And and that's why he, you know, has difficulty with it. But you know, and and a, and a lack of ability to be, um, you know, to apologize or to understand that that process of of apology and and, and reflection. I, I think it's something he's only learning to do in this evolutionary process. I'm not getting, to get too political here because I can go on that tangent quite a bit. But um, when we when we 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 become self reflective. And spiritually aware, we're able to look at others and say, "Okay, what kind of mirror am I bringing to myself at one level or another?" So, you know, I, I did like anyone else did when I went through breakup relationships when I was younger. I was mad, and I gave, and I loved, and look at what you did to me, and you you know, and 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 really after a while, fairly quickly, I would become aware that, like, I had an ex that I was with for three years, and the last six months, he progressively cheated on me. Repeatedly, and um, you know, at first it was, oh well, you know, I will, will, will eventually figure this out, and 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 he'll get us out of the system, and, and you know, and then I realized something, you know, as the relationship progressed, that he had some signs of being like that from the beginning. I just didn't want to see that at one level or another. I, I closed my eyes to that, or I believed I can change it. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, you know, another part of it was that I began to shut off a lot of my sexual emotional energy as the relationship progressed because he was starting to annoy the crap out of me half the time. But I was raised and taught, you know, you stay with who you stay with and and, and this is what you do and you don't, you know, that that you stay together no matter what, like like my parents ultimately did. And so I blinded myself in a way with an illusion of, of what I wanted him to be. You know, and the good thing is, the, the the there were so many good benefits that came from that relationship. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't regret it. Regret that I didn't leave it sooner when I realized the direction it was going. But I still don't even regret that in that sense. A lot of good came from that that connection, that relationship. It, it is. It's part of this wired programming that we have. That. You're going to meet the love of your life, you know, when you're 15 years old at your locker in high school and you're going to die together in a rocking chair holding hands, there's a mutual heart attack in '94. And listen, most people are not going through that experience. We, some of us have long, long relationships, some of us have multiple short ones, um, you know, relationships serve a purpose and sometimes they don't and, and depending on our evolution, you know, we can grow and expand and some people have very, very long-term committed relationships. I, I was at my favorite casino last night and I went into the buffet to eat dinner, and there was a couple uh, right at the table, kind of nearby. And it was—they uh, were probably—they were about eighty years old. Um, and the uh, husband, uh, his wife was in a wheelchair, and they were gambling and they were eating. And um, and uh, he said, so we're celebrating our 59th anniversary." And I thought that was. That they were beyond adorable, I might add. I talked with them for a few minutes, and I loved that. But that's impressive. They and and the, they both had said what had kept them together was humor. That they 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 knew how to make each other laugh. They they learned how to not always sweat the small stuff in that way. They were able to go through things in that sense. And, and my own parents were together for like fifty-six years before my father died. Uh, Fifty-five years, something. Yeah, like damn, it was a long time as well. So listen, that is possible. Um, and and I listen, a spiritual metaphysical person. I saw that, you know, and and this has been on my mind about the idea of considering that possibility of committing again, and you know, so I consciously thought of absorbing their energy, of of recognizing they were showing me something, because uh, I, you know, it, it, if I, if and when I partner again. Um, in the next few months or the next few years, whenever the time is right for that to happen. I would like a longer-term experience, I think, and I'm, I'm willing to find that. And I can recognize that I'm likely to do that better because I've been alone and I'm comfortable with myself, as strange as that may sound. I, I would not sweat the small stuff the way I did in the past, but yet I also would not BS myself into being delusional about problems and and pretending they weren't there. So both of those things, to me, can really have a a strong effect on on doing it better. I look at everything in life that way. You know, know, every job you have, if you have multiple jobs, I mean, each job should get better because you become a better worker. You're better at picking a better work environment. You have much more you know, skill in that area. Same thing with, you know, I'm sure most parents would understand this. If you children, you know, usually, you know, uh, you make mistakes as a parent because there's no textbook on how to do that. But and hopefully you do the best you can and you make mistakes and, and hopefully you forgive yourself, you learn, you grow from them. You know, but if you would do it all over again and have children, you'd probably do a hell of a better job if you had kids when you were 50 Thank God, biologically, we really can't, although I guess people adopt. (laughs) But but you would probably do it better because you would be a wiser, smarter parent experientially. So it's the same thing with anything in life. That is definitely something that I recognize. I've had lots of wonderful friends in my life that I will always love. Some I still communicate with. Some are no longer part of my life. But, you know, the friends I have now are some of the best friends I've ever had because I've become a better friend, too. So there is a, you know, a process here that that operates when you are able to be perseverant and to learn to grow. And again, to be willing to own your own limitations or fears that created the problems in the first place. Um, you know, again, my ex who I had who cheated on me repeatedly, um, you know, I don't, I didn't create that. Uh, I'm not responsible for that either. But I own a 50-50. I own my part in that experience. And I would not, partner and mate with someone who showed those characteristics now. Now that's the funny thing, as as I always joke about this, as slutty as I've been at times in my life, uh, and I've gone through periods of fairly long celibacy too, but I'm very, very monogamous when I partner. I tend to be um pretty, you know, once I'm in it, that's what I do. I'm very Morally integritous about that thing And in my astrology, Venus In my natal chart is in Scorpio It's very typical of Venus and Scorpios To be, uh, struggle with jealousy And possessive issues when they're younger But ultimately get into a place In their life where you are often Very strongly committed once you make the commitment But, so uh, That's something that I You know, I own and, and understand about myself And I see ultimately as valuable But when I'm single Um you know, I'm going to do what I want. I'm not following the rules and dictates of, of, of you know right or wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I, I never, in any conscious way, would have gotten involved with someone that was married or partnered at one level or another. I'm not interested in that, um, and I have stronger standards about that. I'm sure there have been a few times along the way where someone was BSing me and that I didn't know, but beyond that, like I said, I, I always have that kind of. I always that weird attachment. I'm very capable of a detachment about that subject uh uranus in my natal chart is in my fifth house conjunct pluto on top of it and mars in virgo and uh i have a weird detachment about it but when i'm committed in relationship and intimate yeah i, I tend to be very monogamous and, and and very connected in that sense in terms of, of morals and ethics so you know, I look at all my past partners as reflections of different attributes of me, and some levels of exaggeration, and, and vice versa. And I think all relationships are ultimately that, when when you when you boil it down. But you know what I what I often tell my, my clients in a in a way that I think uh, most of you guys should should be able to understand is, in order to manifest something, in order to create something in our lives, we have to. Uh, first, weed out the crap that's blocking us from getting there. And, and this is part of understanding reality creating. So that's the first step, is weeding out the crap that's blocking you from getting from point A to point B. So for instance, if you want to be really, really wealthy, but you believe that all rich people are terrible, shallow, hollow people, you are never going to allow yourself to be really wealthy and rich because some part of you cannot see you in, 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 that, in, in that dynamic. Uh, you know, sometimes people with weight issues will struggle with this. They'll say, oh, I don't want to be one of those skinny bitches who you know, manipulates men and, and does all these things. Well, one, that's a projection anyway. But two, if you believe that skinny women are hollow and shallow and all those things, you may unconsciously not allow yourself to become that at one level. So that's the first step in, in manifesting anything is really begin to look at the self and understand where you might have limiting beliefs or perspectives on things. You know, then the other part of it is you have to decide. And, you know, there's a great quote from, from the Book of Runes where um, the, the quote is uh, Even more than with doers, we're deciders. Once the decision is clear, the doing becomes effortless. So then the universe supports and empowers our actions. And, and that's a powerful statement. Um, a lot of times, again, people don't choose. I've always known this at some level. I'm single for a reason. And when I'm really ready and make the decision, um, that will put some things in motion. And I, I believe that is in the process of happening. I can see a lot of different things happening around me energetically and the body and, and just the circles I'm being led to and, and different things that are happening that will bring me into that place. But it is about making the decision that you're willing at one level or another. And and believe me, a lot of people don't do that. It becomes more of a chronic complaining and frustration and this is what I don't have and I don't know why. And you know what I mean and so to me, those are the two big things to consider in, in manifesting any type of change in your life. Internal works, figuring out where the limitations are, um, and, and then the other is making the decision to, to begin to move forward and then sort of trusting the process, not trying to shove it into place. Uh, you know, one of my closest friends who I love dearly is a what I call chronic dater. She just dates a lot, <laughs> and, and she's very funny. She's just a true optimist with all these different men that she meets, and she dates, and she's been married and divorced a number of times, and she's always looking for the next mate with an equal vigor and, and I give her a lot of credit that she's maintained that optimism and that possibility. But what makes me laugh is she's very funny because if she'll go out with a guy and she'll she'll end up like telling me, you know, well, he's kind of attractive, but I'm not really attracted that much to him in that sense and you know, and he, he kinda has a little bit of a weird kind of body smell to him and that. But I'm gonna go out with him again. Because you never know, and it's like, no, you know, you know, that sucks, dude. Why are you even wasting your time? <laughs> it's not gonna get better, uh, you know. Uh, but I, I, I give her credit at another level too that she is willing to, to, to be so active. Because I think a lot of it, as far as that, she just enjoys the social exchange and and she wants to see that possibility that's there. But to me, you know, love for me has always been the sky cracks open here comes someone that I'm just oh, totally transfixed by in that sense and, and drawn to, and I can smell the karma and past-life relationships and, and all the other dynamics that are there, and, and here goes, and the game is commencing, you know, at, at one level or another. So, uh, you know, sure, the uh, Venus is in Gemini, so she loves like a Gemini, more uh, communication and expression and learning, and you know what I mean, and, and under, loving all the ups and downs of it entirely where I've been always very all or nothing. I'm either in or I'm, at, I'm not in at all at, at one level, which, again, is very typical of Venus and Scorpios. I um, mentioning a lot of astrology here. If you know astrology, of course, this is cool for you. If you don't, for other reasons why, it can be very good to talk to a good astrologer and figure out your astrology. You will understand your own wiring uh, better and, and more effectively, and also it's an excellent tool for understanding other people and why their wiring may be different in terms of what they see or they, they prioritize. But, okay, there's a little quick sales pitch here for contacting me or a good astrologer. Uh, <laughs> there's a tremendous value in it. Uh, we're grateful that I, I understand my astrology. It helps me be more comfortable being me, uh, you know, in, in, in that respect. But getting back to this piece, listen, like I said in in, in the, in the, in the essay, um, You know, we get, we're bombarded in this life through culture and media about finding the love of your life and finding the right one. You know, if you're taking a break from that, it could be very peaceful, but it can feel like somehow you're missing the boat and what you should or shouldn't be doing accordingly. And and that can be, um, you know, feel like you're off kilter. Um, But the other side of it is, again, it it is part of something that is part of our, our human process that we go through. Again, the archetypal structures we see within the tarot, like the lovers card, reflect that push to to made up, to partner, to find that 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 harmony. Now, there are people in this world who are legitimately asexual. I you know I really uh, I really know that to be true. I've always said that that there are really four types of quote unquote sexual orientation. There's heterosexuality, homosexuality. Bisexuality and and uh, asexual people who can be largely non-sexual in their life. I think that's a smaller commodity of people that are truly um, truly uh, uh, asexual. You know, I think that the, the most common sexual orientation is heterosexuality, obviously, but very closely followed by bisexuality, which I think is far more common to some extent. Admit. Um, and then, you know, I think that those are the peck of that homosexuality, and then asexuality. But um, there's nothing wrong with any of these wirings. We're gonna we live multiple lifetimes in different ways, so we're gonna have lifetimes where we go through these different experiences and these these different things. And but you know, whether you're uh, homosexual, uh, heterosexual, or bisexual, I mean, the wiring is still to push the same to to connect and, and to and to meet up, but I always tell look at your past relationships as part of your evolution, and, and part of your growth, if something ended, it's often because it was meant to, we were, you know, we, we've all got that thing again, where we're supposed to find someone and die with them, and, and people go through that, that couple I talked to last night, celebrating their 59th anniversary, um, clearly uh, has a very long term karmic agreement to connect together. It was very, very inspiring. They were, again, they were adorable. I loved talking with them and being around that energy and that's what I did. I said, I'm going to take some of this energy in. Uh, they have something there. And it's funny because I read something too recently that the, when they, they they were interviewing women on what women find most appealing and what they want most in a mate. And the two things I think that came up most strong were humor in a mate and a little bit of a belly. <laughs> i think it's because uh, for a lot of women they don't necessarily want a man that's compulsively narcissistic about being perfect that a little bit of a belly can make you relax at one level i think the main thing was the humor part and that older couple i talked in last night of course validated that that's what they said had largely to some extent kept them together being able to make each other laugh as well so anyway uh looks like our time is up um hope you got some insight to consider wherever you are in your relationship process, but uh, I will be back here again next month. If you're not already getting my monthly email newsletter, um, email me at VentureSag at Yahoo.com. All that stuff is on my website, by the way, JimVenture.com, all this info, and you can be added to the monthly newsletter mailing list, and uh, you can find my uh, website uh, also and all that on Facebook and follow me on facebook or even friend request me that's fine you know as as well and I, I do a lot of posts through facebook as well column is just a monthly column that i do uh and, and by the way if you're added to the column list your name is not going to get sold uh it's a blind copy no one's ever going to get your email list from me i'm very protective of that and it is just once a month it takes me quite a bit of time. columns written uh I just laugh people, are like, oh, am I going to get tons of things from you? I'm like, no, you're going to get something once a month from me. <laughs> I'm pretty meticulous in, in, in preparation and, and making sure I do it right. But then there's access to uh, specials and various other things I do through, through the column mailing list as well, too. So anyway, uh, great discussion today. Uh, I will be back next month, and I'm going to try to get an astrology update show here in the next couple of months. I haven't done one in about six months, so I think it might be time. So uh, we'll catch up with everybody next time. Thanks for joining me today. Have an awesome uh, fall. And uh, until next time, cheers.